You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode five of the Dogaritaville podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode because we are talking about mental enrichment and I just cannot say enough about it. It's something that I address with almost every single one of my clients and most people are just kind of generally unaware of how important it is. Uh, So we'll be diving into how you can work your dog's brain a little bit more and we will be drinking blue margaritas. For every episode, each of us does our best to create a delicious margarita around our theme. We post the recipes on Instagram. Oh, my God. (laughs) What is... Okay, I... It sounds like he's tearing something. (laughs) I feel like I have to just give this caveat so that I can put it in the episode because there will be noises. (laughs) (laughs) So, my puppies are going home tomorrow. So, today we did grooming... But because I had the podcast tonight, we did the grooming during the normal nap time. And instead of then napping, they got overtired and are now refusing to sleep and being terrorists. So there will be puppy noises and just (laughs) that's going to happen. So with that being said, we post the recipes on Instagram so you can try them at home. And if you have an idea for a theme, let us know. We'll keep you updated throughout the episode about how we feel about our drinks. We have different ideas of what makes the best blue margarita, so our recipe is differing today, giving you some options. First things first, what is mental enrichment? A lot of the times when I say that, people are like, what What are you talking about? For me, it's really just any time that your dog has to do something, right? They work their brain any time that they have to think about a task, regardless of what the task is. So for me, I try to explain it as simple as possible and just anytime your dog has anytime you ask your dog to do anything it's mental work right so mental stimulation keeps your pup's brain active and working um, which much like with us keeps them a little bit happier um, and a little bit more satisfied this can be something as simple as doing a treat puzzle or learning a new command The average dog owner tends to focus on physical exercise because for some reason that's just the only way that we generally think of tiring out our dogs. But that's pretty incomplete when you look at what a dog really needs. Mental enrichment paired with adequate physical exercise is my recipe for a healthier, happier, and more stable dog. So that's what mental enrichment is. Is and the reason that it's important, it, it looks like Laura has given me a little definition to read from Smithsonian's National it's, Zoo. It's such a good quote, though. <laughs> it is. I like it. Enrichment allows animals to demonstrate their species' typical behavior, gives them opportunity to exercise control or choice over their environment, and enhances their well being. Enrichment is just as in- essential to animal welfare as proper nutrition and veterinary care. So, there you have it. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so I just did like a quick Google search on kind of what enrichment was defined as. So that Smithsonian Zoo uh, quote I really liked. And then there's some company called Paw 5 that does like enrichment toys and snuffle mats. And they had a really cool quote that I liked that was that 
uh, mental enrichment improves your dog's mental capacity and enhances his understanding of his relationship with you and the world around him, which isn't really how I would think of it, but is very fitting. And I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I really think of mental enrichment in terms of what it does for me, honestly. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I need to go take a shower. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Because physical exercise does so much. And I feel like even yeah. if, you know, even if you can get your dog sufficiently tired from physical exercise, it's still like not the right, it's like not the right kind of tired. Yeah, no, the, um, so it was always explained to me that it needs to be like a sandwich of mental, physical, and then more mental, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now too, the more that I get into it, the more that I realize like, most dogs, not all dogs, uh, obviously, Charlie runs four to six miles a day. Like, some dogs can exercise that hard. But, like, right now, I have a crazy foster named Hazel who's only seven months. So, I can't treadmill her. I can flirt pull her a little bit, but I can't run her full out because she's not old enough. <laughs> and she's just off the walls. Like, she is bananas. And so, it's like she's not old enough to hard exercise. And even if she was a little bit older, I would still have to condition her to it. So it's like, that's not much of an option for her. And honestly, the first couple of days I had her, I did exercise her probably not too hard, but I exercised her because she was crazy. And it was like, we would exercise in the morning by lunchtime. She'd be like, okay, what are we doing now? And it was like starting all over again. We'd exercise at lunchtime. And then at bedtime, it's like, okay, what are we doing now? And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> you have been exercised three times today and you're still just not sitting still (laughs) so that's definitely kind of how i got into it was for charlie because he could run 80 miles a day and he still wants it still so mental has really brought that my higher energy dogs to a point where they can actually train and learn uh because normally they're just so off the damn charts that (laughs) They're not at a functioning level, much less a learning level. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a pretty common phrase um, that I don't disagree with, but I think it needs just a little bit of context. But the phrase is a tired dog is a happy dog or a tired dog is a well-behaved dog. And I think that that's mostly true. But people just think of that, like you were saying, like as just running and exercising your dog until they're tired and then everyone's going to be happy. But also, like you said, the more you do that, the more exercise your dog is going to need. And so where mental work comes in is like the way that you explained it to me when you were teaching me about it four years ago was if you run a mile every day, eventually that won't be work anymore. But if you like study for a test or something, you're always going to be tired afterward, no matter how much time you put into it. (laughs) And so that's kind of how I think about mental exercise for my dogs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, when Charlie started, when I first got Charlie the treadmill, he only did like a slow mile. And now here we are years later. And now he runs. He's getting older now. So he went from six miles at full throttle to four miles at like medium throttle. But but, like he before it was like he was running six miles a day at like the one of the highest settings. And he still was just like, okay, can I run twice? And it's like, no, bro, you're going to hurt yourself. (laughs) But yeah, definitely mental is kind of what brings the physical all together because the physical in and of itself is only going to help you so much. The way that I 
think about it with the puppies, and I'll just caveat that this is puppies. Like puppies are developing and they're just, they're different than adult dogs. But the way that I think about it with them is exercise is really burning energy. And then as soon as their hyperactive energy is gone, then we move to mental work. Yeah. So like a good time to do it is after we do crate training, like I start out with about a half hour on the crate. And then by the time they go home, they're in there for an hour and a half or two hours at a time. And every time they get out of the crate, like there's no focusing them on anything, like a food puzzle training, like yeah. absolutely not. But I let them run around for 10 minutes and then they're ready to go. Yeah. So like that that exercise portion is for really when that's, there's just that energy where they can't focus on anything. And then as soon as I get past that point, I like to bring in the mental work. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's something that I'm not super used to uh, just because I generally work with older dogs. So that's where Hazel has already taught me a lot, even though I've only had her for a couple of weeks, because like I said, she's only like six, seven months and I can't treadmill her. I can't, you know, I, I take her to the park. We exercise, but I can't like full throttle run her. <laughs> she's too young. But yeah, so that's had helped me get a little bit more uh, creative with my mental enrichment because I can only physically exercise her so much and if I give her the same like mental toy every day, then obviously that's not going to be as successful. <laughs> yeah. So I'm constantly having to come up with new and exciting ideas every single day. <laughs> that reminds me of something I want to say in the next segment. So I'm just going to type it before I forget. This margarita is super good. Yeah. Yours isn't very blue. I guess hypnotic's more like green. Well, it. It is blue. It is not photographing well, and I think it's because I have really warm lighting in here, but it's like really light crystally blue. Oh, because it looks like minty. Yeah, I can. it does look that way in the picture, but it is, it's like a nice light Caribbean ocean blue. Well, is that it for segment one, do you think? I think so. Or do we have more I mean, I say? feel like we defined it pretty well, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's a little bit of insight into what mental enrichment is and why it is helpful. So we'll take a little break here. And when we get back, we'll talk about how we made our margaritas. And we will talk about how to use food for mental enrichment. Margarita chick. Laura, how did you make your blue margarita? So I would just like to start off with the fact that I hate this margarita and I think it's trash. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I was super disappointed to find out that the blue margarita is just blue curacura, which is basically blue colored triple sec. So really um, blue curacao, whatever, uh, blue, whatever the fuck is just <laughs> blue colored triple sec. And it's bullshit. So I'm like, so we're just having regular margaritas that are tinted blue. Uh And I was very upset about it. (laughs) And so then my dumb ass was like, well, I'm going to find a different way to make it blue. And so I like bought blueberries. I bought blueberry liqueur. I I tried everything. Nothing worked. It was just a shitty margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The one I have right now is better than it was. Yesterday's was like, I almost... I almost threw it out. It was so bad. I didn't. But <laughs> um, but so I did, today I did two ounces of tequila, one ounce blue curacao. Is that how you say you it? You did it. Is that, That's it. a very strange thing. Um, <laughs> two juice limes, 
a just a splash of blueberry liqueur because yesterday I did an ounce of blueberry liqueur and it was so sweet that it was undrinkable. <laughs> and the blueberry, wow. I don't, I'm assuming it's the blueberry liqueur. I guess it could be the curacao, but it just tastes really like synthetic and like like synthetic sweet, you know. Hmm. Um, and then I tried it today without the agave because it was so sweet when I made it yesterday, and it was super sour. So I added in uh, one and a half teaspoons agave because otherwise I couldn't have drank it. And it's still not good. I mean, it's drinkable. It's all right. Yours was a little bit more successful, though. So let's let's go over where you succeeded and I failed. So I had the same experience where I was like, ooh, blue margarita. That sounds interesting. And then Googled it. And it's just made with blue curacao. And I was like, listen. I'm not spending money on, like, another triple sec, <laughs> like, just because it's blue. It's a different kind of orange or something. Like, it was different yeah, than triple bullshit. sec somehow. But bullshit. but I was like, nah. And so then I Googled, like, blue liqueurs. And the one that I found was hypnotic. And it's very, very yummy. So what I did, I did one and a half ounces of tequila, one and a half ounces of the hypnotic, and then two juiced limes. And then I did a, a three-quarters ounce of triple sec and shook it, strained over ice. And then I got fancy because Laura was late today. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, well, maybe I'll try to make a blue rim. And so I put some blue food coloring into some agave and, like, put the rim in the agave and then dipped that oh, into... Oh, that's clever. Yeah. And then I dipped that into some silver sprinkles that I had left over from Christmas. <laughs> And it tasted great, but but the agave kept, like, running down the side, so it looked, like, not very great. But I'm a huge fan. I like the hypnotic liqueur. I think it would be great just, like, on its own with some kind of juice, like maybe with a pineapple juice or something. Yeah, I wonder what kind of uh, mixed drinks they make with that. Well, I'm anyway, glad, it's... I'm glad someone doesn't hate this. <laughs> it's good. I'm a fan. Maybe, I mean, I would say maybe I'll try the hypnotic, but I already spent quite a bit of money on the blueberry liqueur and the uh, <laughs> curacao, so now I'm just pissed off. Uh, <laughs> all right, so adding enrichment to your schedule with food. So this is definitely one of the easiest ways to add mental enrichment into your dog's schedule. I tend to lean towards this just because it doesn't add anything to my busy schedule. I'm already feeding my dogs twice a day anyways. So just switching them off of a bowl into some sort of enrichment tool is a really great way for them to get mental enrichment and me not to have to carve out that time. So the number one thing that I swear by is the Kong Wobbler. It's my favorite thing on earth. It's the only reason I ever get to shower or do anything. <laughs> um, so the Kong Wobbler is shaped like a normal Kong, but it's probably, I don't know, like a foot high. Maybe not that big. But it's a really hard plastic, which is nice because I can leave it with some of the heavier duty dogs and not have to worry about them ruining it. Like a lot of the licket mats and stuff like that, I have to worry about them eating it, right? Because most of my dogs do enrichment in their kennels, so they're not necessarily out all the time when they do it. So the Wobbler is nice because it's a little bit heavier duty, and it's the only one that I have found that actually unscrews so that you can put cups of food in it. 
mm-hmm. there's a lot of toys that are similar as far as they dispense thing piece by piece, which is nice. But you have to put them in piece by piece. And I'm like, I'm not going to siphon in a cup and a half of kibble twice a day. Um, so the yeah. wobbler I really like for that reason is that it can hold like something crazy. Nobody really eats more than two cups in a sitting at my house. So I know it fits two cups, but I think it could probably fit like four or something ridiculous. Um, so it fits a lot of food. I use it mostly for meal times. You can use it for treats or anything like that as well, though. So I have a, a different um, tool by Kong as well that also unscrew, uh, unscrews. It's the Kong Gyro. It's like a little ball and it... Oh, with the rubber bumper? It has like a ring around it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't fit quite that much food, but you could fit at least a cup in there and then screw it back on. So I feel like I've bought that for clients, but I haven't tried it myself and I was wondering about it. But yeah, Kong seems to kind of have the market on that because I have... There's a... I forget which company makes it. I want to say like PetSafe maybe. There's It's called a Tug-A-Jug. Um, which is the harder version of the wobbler. It's super hard. Like, it's too hard for most dogs. And it's a heavy-duty plastic bottle. It is ruinable. I've had a couple get ruined, unlike the wobblers. <laughs> and then the lid, where the food comes out, there's a rope in it. So not only do they have to get it out of the top of the bottle, but they also have to move the rope to get the kibble out. Oh, I'm Googling it right now. Yeah, it's called a tug-a-jug. I can't remember which company it is. And then uh, there's obviously a thousand different things that you can bat around and get kibble by kibble. But like I said, most of them don't hold large quantities of food, stuff like that. Um, So the wobbler is hands down my favorite food enrichment tool. Some of the other stuff that I use, a puzzle bowl I use a lot if I'm in a hurry and I just don't have time to do whatever. Puzzle bowl is like the standard everybody eats out of it here. It's not particularly hard. I would almost not classify it as work. It's so easy, but (laughs) depends on the dog, too. I have some dogs that are like, I don't know how to eat out of this puzzle bowl, (laughs) which I think of the puzzle bowl is just like it slows my dogs down. Yeah, they don't immediately vomit all their food back up, but it's not like hard work for them. It is a little bit of work, so I would take it over a normal bowl for sure. But yeah, and then the other thing, I don't do it very often because it's a little bit time consuming. But for those of you that don't have 10 dogs, uh, (laughs) Uh, I'll take Amazon boxes and the packing paper and I'll roll kibble or treats into the packing paper and put the box back so the box is full of the packing paper and then fold the box so that it's closed and they have to open the box and then get through all the paper. And the paper is just like brown crepe paper so I don't worry about the dogs like eating it or anything. It's not toxic. They don't eat it, but still. (laughs) Just in case we didn't actually say it, When we say mental enrichment with food, what we mean is like instead of feeding your dog out of a normal bowl, it's like feeding them in a way that makes them think. I know. I think we have explained it, but like not all the way. I don't think we were very clear on that. Sorry. Uh, I got really excited about wobblers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, instead of I always tell my clients, you know, just get rid of their food bowl. We don't need it anymore. Even on a day where you're in a hurry and you just need them to eat real quick. That's fine. Scatter feed it or something. Just pour it on the ground or something. That's still going to be more work than in a bowl. I even ditch the bowls with the puppies, even though they're little. And so they can't do like a ton of the puzzly stuff. I have like, it's like this little bone shaped mat that has just ridges in it, like really shallow ridges. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. And so it's not like super hard or anything, but there's just, yeah, there's no reason to just give them a bowl when just a little bit more work 
will will do some good for them, you know? Yeah. Or like puppies could do the snuffle mat. That's true. I I have not been able to find a snuffle mat that is not like $40. Right? Oh my God. They're so expensive. (laughs) I do like snuffle mats, but not for $40. I don't. (laughs) So replacing meals is a really good way, like Laura said, to um, just add mental enrichment to your day at a place that you're already doing something with your dog. Like you're already feeding your dog, so you might as well just throw in some extra fun. But you can also use treats and snacks in between meals as mental enrichment. So something that I do for my dogs is I like to give them greens in their diet, but they don't like to eat greens in their diet. And so I <laughs> puree them up with like pumpkin, which they love. They love pumpkin puree. So I, I blend the greens with pumpkin puree and then put it in a Kong for them and they eat it like midday. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And then I, I freeze the Kong too. So... So I don't know if people know how to use the Kong. I know that's a weird thing, but like. No, no. I get asked about it all the time. And it's strange to me because I'm like, what do you mean? Just fill it with shit. Like, right. <laughs> just, there's well, no right or wrong way to do it. Just stuff stuff in there. And well, I've had people say like they put kibble in it and then all the kibble just fell out. That's a huge thing is the Kong filling. So there's uh there's a thousand kong recipes uh and everybody does theirs different and there's kind of varying degrees of hardness i guess yes (laughs) so my dog's kongs are always frozen so that makes it a little bit harder because they're usually they're filled with a bunch of stuff biscuits soft treats the other day i put like raw sardines in there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's always capped off with something frozen so they have to lick through the frozen peanut butter or frozen yogurt or whatever it is to get to all the stuff inside and then the bigger biscuits that you put inside obviously the harder it is to get those out so yeah so what i like to do is i like to put something in there that is soft so i don't do a lot of treats and biscuits although that's interesting if you put a big one in and they have to work to get it out maybe i'll try that oh it's hard yeah Keeps them entertained. But I like to do things that are like the consistency of yogurt, pretty much. And then sometimes I'll mix things into it. Like I'll mix in food or treats or something. Yeah. But like it's mostly that yogurt consistency. Yeah. And then I'll freeze that. Um, For the puppies, I start them off on the first week with just pumpkin puree that's not frozen because it firms up their poops. And they like it. And then after the first week, once they're like, ooh, I know what this is, then I'll start freezing it for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'd have to try the all liquid. I don't. I mean, I did it with the raw sardine because it's like a blended mixture. But I was in a hurry, so I just filled it with that real quick and then capped it off with some some treats on top. So another fun thing to do in between meals is to make a little treat obstacle course. So my dogs love this game. And the way that we started out doing it is we kind of blocked them out of a room, but they could still see us. And then we like put treats all over the room and then said like, go find them. And then we we did that a few times until they realized that like, okay, when they say go find them, like we're playing this game. And so then we started (laughs) keeping them out of the room where they couldn't see us and then hiding the treats. So then they have to come in and like sniff all the treats out of the room. So some things that we can do are like, you know, take a cardboard box and flip it upside down with treats underneath that they have to sniff out and flip the box over. Or sometimes I'll put like a treat on top of a chair and they have to go find it and stuff. And then my two little notes that I wrote about mental enrichment with food is to, in order to keep things more valuable, it's it's helpful to switch things up. So like Laura was saying earlier, 
she's ditched the bowl, but like every day is a new puzzle for the dog. Like they, they get something different each day and that kind of keeps it valuable and fun. And then the other note that I wrote down was if your dog is frustrated, then it's not a good mental puzzle for them. And so I'll just give you a quick example. We talked about Balto a couple episodes ago (laughs) and now he's just a little... Uh, special. A little special. He's a couple rocks short of a bucket of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave him the little Kong wobbler to try out. And the way that he decided that he was going to solve it was he pushed it over so that the hole was facing toward the ceiling and then just tried to shove his tongue into the tiny Everybody little hole. Everybody does that. Every single dog does that. And I'm like, let me know when you figure it out because that's oh, yeah. not going to work. He like never moved past it. Um, <laughs> so we don't do the wobbler anymore. So he gets other kinds of puzzles. The goal is not to frustrate your dog or like make it so challenging that they can't figure it out, but give them something that will be fun for them that is also just a little bit challenging. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something we probably should have clarified is that every puzzle has a varying degree of difficulty right so the generic puzzles that are just like the chintzy plastic ones that have like the flaps that they have to flip up or whatever those are actually leveled like level one two three and like the level threes the flaps are locked and they have to unlock it and then flip the flap stuff like that that's significantly harder so the wobbler despite balto is (laughs) one of the easier ones whereas like the tug-a-jug is a significantly harder one and uh, i don't generally recommend the tug-a-jug for clients other than rare occasions because it's usually a little too difficult and a little too frustrating for most dogs but yeah just keep in mind that all puzzles have varying degrees of difficulty start out with the easiest ones and move from there one of the things that we forgot to mention, uh, I think I mentioned it in passing, but didn't really touch on it so much, is the Licket Mats, um, which oh, yeah. are kind of the new the new craze. I, I have kind of conflicting thoughts on them. I really like them, but they're like flimsy rubber. So like, it's not something that I can leave in the kennels with. Like, so my dogs mostly get enrichment when I'm leaving the house. Anytime I leave the house, everybody gets something, right? And so that's not something that I can leave my 100-pound dog with because he's just going to eat the whole damn thing. <laughs> like, he'll right. just eat the rubber or at the very least shred it, right? Um, so the the plastic bone tray thing that you were talking about for the puppies yeah. to eat out of, yeah. it's, it's a slow feeder. I use it like a licket mat, though, um, just because oh, it's a harder plastic. that's a plastic. good idea. Yeah. And it's, like, shallow mm-hmm. enough that would yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I ordered it as a licket mat, and then when I got there, I was like, Oh, it's not supposed to be a licket mat. Um, <laughs> licket mats are really great for smaller dogs or as a, like a supervised activity if you're sitting with them, because it does um, licking releases endorphins and calms them down, and it keeps them occupied a little bit longer without getting them as amped as some of the treat puzzles. I know some of my clients get really overexcited by the treat puzzle <laughs> because they're like, how do I make it work? Which is great. Like I have no problems with it, but sometimes you're like, is there a chiller activity? <laughs> Cause I just need some quiet. Uh, and that would be the licket mat. And the licket mat is just like a really shallow kind of thing that you put, like you can freeze anything broth, anything like that. Some people just smear peanut butter on it. I usually freeze like raw food or wet food or something like that on it. Um, But that's a good one as well. 
I've been thinking about getting a look at Matt um, because part of what I do here is socialize the puppies to grooming equipment, which they have like a neutral feeling about now. But if I just like go in with the grooming equipment, they start to feel pretty non-neutral yeah. pretty fast. Like, so like <laughs> if, if I can like distract them with something while I'm doing stuff, I think it might be helpful. So that's a little bit of information about how to use food to put some mental enrichment into your dog's day. We'll take a break here, and when we come back, we will talk about how to use training for mental enrichment. Margarita check. Laura, how are you enjoying your marg that you hate? Uh, (laughs) As I drink it and get a little bit tipsy, it gets better. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's pretty much gone now. And this was significantly better than the one I made yesterday. Still nothing I will ever make again, though. Yours was good to start off with, so I don't really want to hear how it is, but go on. Well, I finished the first one. <laughs> I forgot. And uh, <laughs> and then I didn't want to juice any more limes. It's like the longest part of making a margarita. <laughs> so I just threw some tequila and hypnotic and triple sec over ice. And I don't hate it. But <laughs> it's... <laughs> significantly harder to drink <laughs> that's a choice i was thinking about that today actually and i wanted to make a like an instagram post or something about uh the juicer you made me buy because it's just my favorite thing a little hand juicer takes mm-hmm. like two seconds you just chop a lime in half and juice it uh and it's the best and i feel like anybody that's not making margaritas that way is wrong right <laughs> Agree. (laughs) So meals and snacks are not the only way to get your dog to work his brain. Another great way is to um, another great way to add mental enrichment is to train with your dog. So like I said earlier, anytime your dog has to think about a task or make a choice, it's working its brain, right? So if your dog already knows how to do something, it's not a ton of work for them. And we need to make it challenging, but achievable at the same time. So something I always make sure to do beyond just the basics of sit down and stay, which are the three commands that I use pretty much religiously, (laughs) is eye contact. Mm. A lot of people, for some reason, use the look at me command, which doesn't make sense to me, and I kind of hate it a lot. Uh, (laughs) So I don't do it as a command. I simply mark the behavior whenever it's offered so that it becomes more of a default behavior that gets offered continuously regardless of setting. Yes. So it does take them a lot to decide to do it. And of course, in the beginning, I do have to clue them in. Uh, I'll make like a noise or something like that just so that they look at me to be like, what the hell is that? And then I mark that, right? <laughs> right. But yeah, what, any behavior that you start marking, they figure it out really quickly, whatever it is. So if every time they look at me, they get some sort of reward, whether it's a yes or a piece of treat, they're going to obviously do that more frequently. <laughs> I do something really similar with eye contact. I do, when I'm marking it at first, I use their name to mark it because then going forward... If I say their name, they'll look at me. So I guess it's kind of like a look at me command, but I just want them to like pay attention to me when I'm saying their name. Yeah. But yeah, if you like, if you reward it when they choose to look at you, then they'll just start choosing to look at you all the time. And that's awesome. I really like to like, like wait until the dog is just upset and like, why, why are you not giving me the treat? And then like looks at me like, what the fuck? And then I hand them the treat and they're like, oh. 
that is a hundred percent what I do because then that's they've exhausted themselves mentally trying to figure out what they need to be doing to get the treat right yeah so that brings in a ton of mental work eye contact was really big with Charlie because then when there's another dog around instead of trying to handle the situation himself now he knows like oh if I look at mom she knows that I'm uncomfortable and she'll address the situation I just need to look to her for guidance and so we use it a lot for reactive dogs too. Pretty much any behavior issues. It's like, hey, I can help you. You just gotta you just gotta look at me. <laughs> but yeah, so eye contact's a big one that I work on that's pretty um difficult. And then recall, which sounds boring and basic, is kind of becoming like my favorite thing. It doesn't come up a ton just because I'm usually dealing with behavior mods, so we don't we do some basics, but not a ton. And recall is generally not one of them. But I've been doing recall more and more lately. And then place is a, a command that I've been using a lot too. They're both a little bit more difficult. And especially because you have to translate both of them into harder and harder settings. It kind of makes them a constant work in progress. Which is really nice. Because you don't get stuck in the like, oh, every day we have to figure out how to mentally tire you out. It's like, no, we're going to practice our our recall and we're going to practice our st- our place because yeah their recall in the house might be good in the yard it might be okay out in public i would imagine they don't have one <laughs> stuff like that so yeah those are and it's kind of a fun way just that you can really be mentally and physically tiring them out when you're doing recall in public on like a long line or something so not only are they getting the physical exercise and learning to be more responsive to you but they're also mentally working out right so it's kind of one exercise that knocks out a whole lot of stuff. So Yeah, so that is a great way to add mental enrichment is taking cues that your dog already knows and just making them harder. So if your dog already knows how to sit in your house with no distractions, then you can start adding distractions and then asking him to sit or taking him to a new environment and asking him to sit. I think a lot of people miss that, that dogs need to generalize their cues. So you can't just like teach a cue at your house and then expect it to work anywhere else, really. Your dog has to generalize it a few different places before they're like, oh, this is a cue everywhere. Yeah, I always tell people to uh, start in the house, move to the backyard, move to a quiet place on leash, and then move to like a busier place. And that is a question that I get a lot too, and I'm sure you get it a lot as a dog trainer, is like, why does my dog know how to come to me, but not at the dog park? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, because that is, that's the boss level. Like, if dog yeah. training is a video game, that's, like, the hardest level. So, the the three Ds in dog training are distance, duration, and distraction. So, anytime that you're, like, trying to figure out how to make a cue more challenging, think about how to add one of those things. So, distance would be, like, asking your dog to come to you from farther and farther away or if you're asking your dog to place like they stay there while you move farther away from them duration is holding that for longer so place is a really great one that's the first thing I taught both my dogs when I got them because I don't like to be woken up in the morning so (laughs) (laughs) so they have a really great duration with their place they don't get out of their place until I tell them that it's okay and I don't get woken up by dogs in the morning So I thought that was kind of interesting how you said uh, you get farther and farther away when they're in their place. I kind of do it uh, the opposite where you get you start telling them to place from farther and farther away. 
Yeah, definitely. That's another way to do distance as well. Like asking them to do a cue while you're standing far away from them. Yeah, because I've started using it a little bit in behavior mod um, with dogs that like don't like visitors and stuff like that. Whereas normally they would go run to the front door when the doorbell goes off or if they think someone's there. And so instead of fighting with them at the door, just telling them to place as they hopefully before they get to the door. But if not, um, once they're at the door Um, and that's real hard <laughs> yeah yep and that's adding the third d which is distraction so you know maybe you can like ring your own doorbell to practice and send your dog to their place but when someone actually shows up at your house yeah. that's a huge distraction and your dog is not going to place the first time i promise oh no not a chance uh even my client this week there we had been working on place and they were like she knows it now she knows it now would not do it at all while i was there (laughs) and i was like it's not that i don't believe you but she's certainly not doing it now yeah that's a good point because another thing that i like my dogs to be able to do is to know the cue get in your crate and if i say it from anywhere in the house they should go get in their crate So that's another way to do distance, not just walking farther away after you've asked them to do something, but to ask them to do something from far away. Another thing about training is that you're not limited to the cues that you've heard of, like the most popular cues, like sit, down, stay, roll over, shake. (laughs) That's a vocal dog you got there. They've they've gone off the rails. They never play. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. They've decided that it is time for WrestleMania suddenly. Um, well, that's fun. Yeah. So um, you can think outside the box on your cues. You can train your dog to do things like bring you stuff. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I think it was by – it was uh, Pet Parent Allies. He was a guest on a podcast. And he was talking about how he taught his dog how to play Twister. Like he would say like left paw green and it would do it. That's bananas. Obviously, some things are more difficult than others. Like that would take a ton of time and I would never do it with my dogs. But I'm just saying don't limit yourself to the cues that you are familiar with because they're not the only ones that exist. Remind me again, what are the the three Ds? Distance, distraction, duration. Duration. And what is duration again? Asking them to do it for longer. Like sit until you say okay. Okay, we have talked about how to use food to add mental enrichment. We've talked about how to use training to add mental enrichment. So we'll take a break. And when we get back, we will talk about how to add mental enrichment into your current routine without changing up many things at all. Final margarita check. I know you liked her marg. But would you do anything differently? (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard question on something that's as vague as like blue margarita. Right. Because I would definitely try other things to make a margarita blue, but I'm very happy with the one I made. Lucky you. What Uh, about you? What would you do differently? (laughs) So many things. Um, I think, honestly, I probably, if I had to do it again, which hopefully never happens, I'd probably just go full throttle blueberry uh, and just do like a blended with blueberries type situation because this curacao bullshit is for the birds. It's not for me. Or uh, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the blueberry liqueur that's trash. I don't know. I don't want to find out. That doesn't sound good. I gotta be honest. Yeah, it doesn't, does it? It And there was only, like, one kind of it, so that probably should have been my first clue. So, yeah. Uh, I don't ever want to do it again. 
So therefore, I would not change anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have presented you with some fun ideas for adding mental enrichment into your dog's life. But it is actually pretty easy to start even simpler than that and start adding mental work into your current everyday routines. So a good example of that is letting your dog sniff when you're on a walk. It sounds a little bit counterintuitive because we really think of walks as just purely exercise for the dog. But for most dogs, a walk is really not (laughs) sufficient exercise, like the, the kind of walk that we go on. And especially not if we're kind of asking them to go at our pace and stay at our side and stuff. Like we do not walk fast enough for dogs. And so they're really not getting a ton of exercise on that walk. But sniffing is really great mental enrichment and it also um, lowers stress and lowers blood pressure in dogs. And so it's good for a lot of different reasons. And dogs just love to sniff. And so you might as well just let them do it. And whenever this topic kind of comes up on training pages, it usually becomes a battle of like, but sometimes I need to get from point A to point B and just go, which is fine. That's totally fine. Not every walk has to be a sniffing walk. But if you're going on a walk every day with your dog and you're calling it your dog's walk, let them sniff on that walk. Yeah. So I always tell clients that we have a working walk and then we have free time, right? So not every walk has to be one or the other. I tend to use both. Um, So while we're walking is usually work time. And then if we get to a park or grassy area and they've been walking well, all right, free time. Let's have some free time. You can smell, do whatever. We'll hang out for a minute. Or we can keep walking and sniffing, whatever. But just like there's working parts of the walk and then there's free parts of the walk. That's a good way to do it, especially if you're doing like Lardas, which is walk for a long time, a lot of miles. <laughs> because obviously, if you're just letting your dog sniff for like six miles of walking, then that's a really long walk for you. You would never make it six miles. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you're more like me, where it's like my dog's everyday walk is a half hour tops, like you might as well just spend that half hour sniffing because... A half hour walk is not going to do much, especially not for my husky mixes. That's just not exercise for them. Yeah, I think it very much depends on your dogs. So pretty much all the dogs that I'm working with are behavior cases in some way, and most are leash reactive. So that's why we're a little bit heavier on the working walk aspect of it. But we obviously always make sure that they do have free time or sniff time, as long as there aren't, aren't triggers around. Another really good way to add mental enrichment into what you're already doing is if you have a game that you like to play with your dog, like if you're playing fetch every day with your dog or playing tug every day with your dog or something, um, you can have each game be earned by some behavior from your dog. So Mooney knows if we're playing fetch, he has to sit and give me eye contact until I throw the ball. Sometimes I'll like kind of wind up and he'll get up. And then the game stops. I like drop my arms and he's like, oh, damn it. And so he has to like sit there and think like I need to sit until my mom says I can go. And so that's like we're doing our game. We're having fun. We're going to do this every day anyway. But we're just adding this little element of it that's making him think. Yeah, that completely saved my life with Charlie. Uh, We call it mental fetch (laughs) because he will literally play fetch for hours. Like he's so ball obsessed. And as soon as we started doing mental fetch where he has to do a sit stay with eye contact or then we graduated to a down with eye contact and now it's been several years and we have to come up with crazy tasks. But 
<laughs> he has to earn every single throw. And now he never plays for more than like 15, maybe 20 minutes because he like is earning so much every single time, even though it's not particularly hard. But just if you're just mindlessly playing fetch, yeah, I could play that for hours. But if you have to earn every throw, then, oh, I'm only going to play for a little bit because this is way too much work. <laughs> well, and it it is hard. Like, it's hard for them if they really, really yeah. want that ball. It's hard to sit still. Yeah, mental fetch is a game changer for sure. That does also remind me of something that I didn't uh, bring up before, which is flirt pull. So flirt pull doesn't necessarily spring to mind when you think mental enrichment. A flirt pole is basically like a large heavy duty cat toy almost. And so most people don't think of it necessarily as mental enrichment because you think of it more as like, oh, you're getting your dog to run super hard. And it's like, no, 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 no. That is not how flirt pole is played. The game only starts with a sit with eye contact and it only stops when if I say drop and you drop it right away. If I say drop and you don't drop it, game over. We're dead. Um, so there's a lot. That's probably one of the best toys that encompasses mental and physical together, I would say, probably besides uh, like mental fetch or tug. Tug is kind of the same principle as flirt pull a little bit. But yeah, so with flirt pull, they have to sit, give me eye contact in order to start then they chase it, uh, usually at pretty pretty fast. And then, obviously, they get to play with it for a little while because they worked hard. And then after a couple minutes, then you'll say drop and you start over. So, yeah, one of the other really easy ways to do just a little bit of mental enrichment just in your daily routine is, like, my dogs are kennel trained. So in order to come out of their kennel every single time, they have to do a sit. They hold their stay. I open the kennel door and get out of the way. And they still hold their stay. And then once they give me eye contact, I give them their release cue. Our release cue is free. Everybody has something different. A lot of people don't have a release cue, which is mind-boggling to me. Everybody should have a release (laughs) cue. But yeah, so sit stays with eye contact to come out of the kennels. And then we also do it at doorways. Obviously, I have a lot of dogs. So when I'm going through doorways, it can be a little frustrating sometimes. Yeah. So everybody knows sit stays at doorways, uh, whether you're going out or coming in. Um, they all know that they have to sit stay and look at me and then be invited whichever way. So we do a lot of that same stuff here. And I just want to clarify, because if you watch things like Caesar Milan or something, like they will say you have to go through a door before your dog. That's <laughs> not why we're doing this. No. Um, we're, we're doing this because number one, it is mental work for them. Like what I tell to my clients is, for, the, for my client's mental enrichment, I want you to write down things that your dog loves to do. And whatever it is, we're adding eye contact in some form. So sit down, whatever, but yeah. with eye contact, and then you can do that thing. So if your dog really likes to go into the backyard or come in from the backyard, we're always doing it at the door. So that's a good way to add mental enrichment, but then also just safety. Like mm-hmm. if you're walking out your front door, you can't just have your dog barreling outside. Like who knows what's going to be out there. So I just want to clarify that it's not to maintain your position as the alpha in the house. (laughs) It's for different reasons. Yeah, uh, that's a good point because that would have never crossed my mind. So yeah, one of the other things that I like to do is adding in some parkour into into our walks. But so on our normal walks um, out here in the desert in Vegas, obviously a lot of the landscaping is rock. So a lot of people have like big boulders in their um, yard or just on the pathways that you're walking. 
So I will do an up or an off command um, to get on these big rocks. And some rocks are harder than others. I'll do benches. I'll do a bunch of different stuff, whatever we can. Um, Playground equipment if it's empty. So we use a lot of like up and off commands to do some agility type stuff on walks. So I do it especially with reactive dogs too. But it's just mental mental work for any dog on a walk just to kind of keep them busy, which is especially important for reactive dogs. But so yeah, agility on walks, teaching them an up and an off command. And then something that kind of changed my life quite a bit and something that most people don't think of because it's a little bit counterintuitive is just at home managing and rotating your toys. So when Charlie first started having issues and he was just wild, like no amount of exercise would help. (laughs) And so when he finally, when he was separated from the dogs, I felt terrible, uh, even though that is very much what he wanted, but I was unwilling to accept it at that time. (laughs) And so Charlie got his own bedroom and I felt so terrible that he couldn't be loose and be with his friends and blah, blah, blah. It was totally me. It was not him (laughs) that I literally filled his room with toys like so he had his own bedroom that's where he was while I was at work and he had like six of everything in that room (laughs) he had his favorite ball he had his wobbler he had stuffed animals like he doesn't care about toys other than his uh his weeble which is the ball that he plays with and (laughs) still I just filled his room with toys and my trainer came in and was like you're driving him crazy. <laughs> he is just constantly surrounded by stimulation. Like, pack all this shit up. And I was like, if I pack all this shit up, he's going to destroy the house. He'll eat through the door. He's going to eat the room. Like, uh, what do you mean pack all this stuff up? I can't do that. And so, like, he would be in his room. He'd have all these toys. I'd come home from work and he's just bouncing off the walls. And sure as shit. The first day, because my trainer was like, leave him one or two toys, maybe even three. (laughs) And the next day, pick those up and leave him three other ones. And I was like, all right, but I'm sending you the bill when he eats the wall. (laughs) And uh, sure as shit, the first day I did that, I came home and he was super chill and was just like, oh, hey, mom, you're home from work. So, yeah, a lot of the times, obviously, when we have more hyperactive dogs or especially when we have puppies that are a little bit higher maintenance, we have a tendency to just be like, here, you have everything. You, you couldn't need anything more. And it's like, yeah, no, it's having the opposite effect. Yeah, that's crazy counterintuitive. Like, I so I stay in contact with the puppy families after they go home to, like, help them transition yeah. the stuff that they learned here. And that's a question that I get a lot is, like, I don't understand. All his toys are out. And why isn't he blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I should just write that in my lesson plan because I get the question so much. But, like, yeah, rotating out toys – well, like, first of all, like Laura said, if they're surrounded by stimulation, that can be overwhelming. But also, if they have the same toy out every day, it just loses value. Yeah. Like, for instance, one of the puppy's favorite toys here is a little octopus. And I know that they love it. Like, it's their favorite, favorite toy. But every once in a while, they'll just, like, act like they're not interested in it. But if I put it in the bin for, like, an hour, <laughs> they're like, where's my octopus? <laughs> And it, like, has value again. Yeah. And that's the thing people don't realize is that having access to these toys every single day devalues them, right? Yep. Wow. That was a screech. Yeah. She likes to scream. But that's <laughs> um, that's actually a, a really good 
thing that we almost left out of this was like, that's also the same for food. So if your dog is free feeding, there's a really good chance that they're not food motivated. Mm. And so people will say that a lot like, oh, my dog doesn't want to do food puzzles or my dog doesn't want to train for food. And if I ask like, are you free feeding your dog? It's almost always yes. And so if you like, if you cut down to however many meals you want to do in a day, honestly, as long as it's scheduled and then the food gets removed after like 15 or 20 minutes, then food holds value and your dog will start getting interested in those things again. Yeah, that's a good call because um, I hear that a lot like with positive trainers and my reactive clients. They're always like, oh, feed him treats when he sees a dog. And it's like, lady, I brought steak and she wouldn't take it. And it's like, okay, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not that your dog doesn't like steak. It's just that this is too too high stakes, right? So I think a lot of the times, one, is your food puzzle too hard? Is your treat high value enough stuff like there's a lot of things to uh to figure out because there's not very many dogs that just won't do it right like yeah maybe if it's if it's not the wobbler maybe try just the lick it mat or yeah but in general if you have scheduled meal times you're you're probably going to have a better time giving your dog a food puzzle to do because if they're food motivated they're just more likely to do that and also just don't free feed it's it's (laughs) just there's no reason there's no reason don't do it agree is is it that hard to feed your dog twice a day no (laughs) i guarantee you i'm busier than you i can do it times 10 you can do it i promise (laughs) i promise don't i had um i did have a client fire me over that once good yeah good riddance and it, it wasn't like a like a weird like mean thing but it was just like when i said that and they were like oh no we couldn't do that that's just like too mean i was like i mean i'm telling you what to do and you're not doing it because they were having a problem with their dog not being food motivated and therefore like not super trainable and i'm like i promise he's food motivated he's just he has access to food all the time and they thought that that was very mean so i got fired (laughs) all right let's record this last bit before before we go completely off the rails all right. I think that about wraps it up. Our fifth episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs, on my website, MissLilysDogs.com, or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash Dogs. And you can find me on Instagram at LV and my website, ProperPuppersLV.com. In our next episode, we will be drinking Halloween-themed margaritas, which is going to be interesting uh, <laughs> and talking about leash reactivity next time on the Doggeritaville podcast thanks for listening to Doggeritaville send us an email at Doggeritaville at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at Doggeritaville and let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us.